You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Hi, I'm Ron Kraft, president of Napa Valley College. I know from experience that usually when the discussion turns to budgets or finance, the numbers, many people's eyes glaze over and the energy in the room seems to go down. What I'd like to do in a series of conversations with leaders and administrators at Napa Valley College is address in this first one today some of the interest in um, finances and and budgets at Napa Valley College. In the interest of transparency, I think it's important that maybe listeners all understand the truth about budgets and the budgeting process here at NBC. That's why I thought it would be a nice approach to ask our Vice President of Administrative Services, Bob Parker, to join me in a conversation about the budget today. A conversation that's not just about numbers, but really about how these numbers impact our students, our faculty, and the essence of the institution, and in a broader way, the community. So, Bob, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So there's a series of questions that I think we could walk through, and we, we can adapt these as we go and just try to envision that we are addressing a, a broader population out there of folks and see whether we can keep their attention. So we'll start with the basics here. Um, How much does it cost to run NBC each year, which could really boil down to what's our budget look like? So for 16-17, the budget that was adopted by our board of trustees back in September, total budget is approximately $65 million. Now, of that, um, about $12 million of that is for servicing the bonds that were sold for construction projects. And so uh, the uh, principal and interest on those bonds, so that's money that comes in from tax revenue and then is used for – And and that's that's the, the bond that was passed back in 02. Right. Yes. Measure, yeah. Measure we've, we've we've exactly those are the bonds that uh, that uh, covered those construction projects. Okay. Thanks. So then the remainder is uh, what we use for the day to day operations of the district, and so it's a combination of funds that come in uh, that are for restricted for certain purposes. So things like uh, money that comes from the state for. Uh, student success and support programs, for student equity programs, uh, money that comes from the federal government, Carl Perkins funding, or what we used to call VATIA for career technical programs, and then our general fund unrestricted budget, which is what pays most of our salaries and the general operating expenses uh, for the district. So complicated, to say the least. A a series of of dollars that come in from different different areas. Mm-hmm. So for for just a layperson who's out there who's trying to understand how the college gets funded, what the sources of those funds as they roll in, what's the major you know from from a hierarchy, you know from the state, from local, from where do those dollars flow from? Well, certainly for our general operating expenses, the lion's share of that money comes locally and it's in the form of property taxes. So if we look at our general operating funds and what supports our general operating activities, it's a combination of fees that our students pay, uh, property taxes that are collected locally, and then a small portion of it is money that comes from the state. The uh, what we call categorical or the restricted funds, those come from the state, from the federal government, and from uh, private foundations and uh, other funding sources. And it, and it took me a while when I was 
first in this business to under really really understand. I think that restricted meant that these funds are earmarked for certain programs and can't be used for expenses that come up, ordinary expenses that come up? That's correct, yeah. And, and, and there may be an example of this that, that you might say, um, the plumbing breaks. Uh, ordinarily, where does that money come from? Does the, can any dollars be used for that? Well, not any dollars could be used for that. And so we do receive, uh, in recent years, we've received some funding from the state for what's uh, referred to as scheduled maintenance. And so plumbing problem uh, would probably have been reflected on our list of items that would qualify for scheduled maintenance funds. We do also uh, set aside and have in our budget some money for general maintenance of the college facility, and that would come from our general fund or what we call general fund unrestricted. When we look at our restricted funds, there are, for example, if we took if we talk about our student success programs or what used to be referred to as matriculation funding, specifically must be spent on programs and services that provide support like counseling, uh, testing and tutoring, things of that nature that provide support to our students as they move through our academic programs. Um, those funds cannot be used to for what the state refers to as supplanting funds from the general fund unrestricted budget. So, for example, if we had a counselor who was paid out of general fund unrestricted funds, we suddenly get an increase in uh, student support funding. We can't move that person into student support funding. We have to provide additional student support services with those with those funds. And many of our restricted funds require that we provide some level of match, so demonstrating that we are providing services using our general fund unrestricted or other sources of funds that would match the funds that we're getting in those restricted areas. I, I think it's, you know, many times when I'm in the community, people will talk about why how come you have this issue you know lots of money coming in you know can't you just use it for this and i think what you've described is you know for for me at least is uh, a way in which categorizing that fund some funds have to be used for specific purposes mm -hmm. and they can't be transferred between those areas mm -hmm. it, one of the big issues that comes up at least for me uh, in the community has been you know do we do we use um, bond monies or facilities monies for operations and you know versus the buildings themselves and you, maybe you might talk about that a little bit certainly and so you know for example if we look at at uh, bond funding you know there are limitations on what we can do with bond funding and it's all limited to uh, constructing the facilities or updating the facilities that we identified when we uh, asked the voters to approve those bonds uh, can't use and in fact uh, will, are required to demonstrate how we would be able to continue maintenance on those facilities and continue to support those facilities without the use of uh, of the bond funds. You know, when we look at any sale of property, you know, sale of district property is utilized for other capital improvement projects, and so you know, the most interesting thing for me about uh, 
finances in at a community college and budgeting at a community college is the fact that it really is this combination of sources of funds that can be used for specific purposes and so matching the purpose to the source is the most interesting and sometimes the most challenging part of uh, of budgeting for a for a community college specifically um thanks I mean, it's good. I mean, it's complex. The revenue side of community college is tough. I mean, mm-hmm. for many people just to understand. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's at least multifaceted, and we're trying to understand that a bit. The expense side is also, I think, uh, you know, uh, a question mark for folks. So, mm-hmm. you know, you and I both know, and, I, and maybe we can share a little bit right now, you know, wh- what are the primary expenses of a community college? Well, it's certainly the the most significant expenditure for community colleges is salaries and benefits, and that's true of all. It's not unique uh, to Napa Valley College. It's true of all um, all uh, uh, colleges, you know, quite frankly, but community colleges in particular. And that is perhaps one of the most challenging things when you look at. Uh, changes in sources of revenue, um, decreases in a in a particular area, when the lion's share of your uh, expenditures are salaries and benefits, it makes it a little more difficult. You know, if you if if you need to to uh, cut back in a certain area, and so you say, well, we're going to purchase less supplies and materials, or we are going to do less printing. Um, that can help, but when there's a significant shift in funding sources and your most significant expenditure is salaries and benefits, it makes it a little more difficult to address short of uh, laying people off, which is something that we certainly don't want to do and haven't done. Um, it makes it a little more difficult to respond quickly to those changes in available resources or available revenue. Thanks for that. I think also you hit on a little bit of the, the the differences. I think that many people struggle with, which is you know, is this a why isn't this more like business? You, you know, the the fl- the ebb and right. flow of the revenues and expenses. So it, it might be useful to to give an idea. I think to folks who might want to understand the budgeting cycle, actually how long it takes in institutional budgeting to to get a grip on. Next year's, for example, next year's budget or last year's, and how long that might take in the process. Sure. Well, you know, there certainly it's a, it's a fairly long process, and we're we're moving uh, this year to make it an even longer process. And and that is that, uh, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That uh, we want to give people more time to look at um, to develop their plans, to look at how what individual departments or individual units are planning to do fits in with our strategic planning priorities and the strategic plan for the district. Um, and so as a result, it's it really is a year-round process. Um, the other thing that's kind of unique to uh, community colleges and in California in particular is that, you know, we don't really know our first clue as to what uh, the community college portion of the state budget will be is when the governor announces his budget proposal in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though this year we are starting our planning process 
trying to sort of separate planning from resources so that um, we we plan based on our overall strategic initiatives for the district and then look at what resources are available when we have more information about that in order to uh, fund or determine which of those uh, plans will be able to be funded. But we find out in January what the governor's initial proposal is. Um, A lot of discussion takes place, and then the governor produces his or her may revise in uh, obviously in the month of May, and then the legislature uh, approves a budget in June. And so we're developing a budget, and our board has to approve a budget in June, a tentative budget, so that we can operate beginning July 1st. But we don't really know what the final budget will be until sometime closer to the end of June. Final budget meaning what the, what the state is allocating to community colleges. And I think that gets to at least some of the stuff we've talked about, you know, in terms of community transparency or even the the board's ability to trust in leadership mm-hmm. to give them the right answers for the for the future year's planning. And what I hear you saying really is this long cycle of yes. trying to figure out what revenues are, balancing that with expenses that are mostly personnel that can't be changed on a dime unless you're really going to lay off people. Right. Creates a scenario where the the board and the community are both just leaning into the expertise that you bring as a CBO, right, Chief Business Officer, mm-hmm. and and a reliance on the college to use its funds, if you will, in a way that's reasonable, prudent, mm-hmm. you know, good stewardship. So, and and I, I wanted to really get at that because I, there has been some of this conversation in the community recently about deficit budgets, and. And I think there's some misunderstanding about how, how can a college or should a college um, adopt a deficit budget and how can they operate that way? Should they operate that way? Right. And, and maybe you might comment on, you know, how it works in the system and, and um, from, the, from your perspective or the state's perspective. Sure. So first of all, that, that the idea of a budget deficit or a deficit budget is a, is a term that is – primarily used um, in in government operations and so if if uh, if I was a government and uh, I determined that my expenditures or forecasted expenditures for the coming year exceeded my available revenue I have a couple of ways that I can do that I can borrow money I could raise taxes um, that's not an option for us as uh, a community college. And so what the state chancellor's office requires us to do, there are a couple of things that the state chancellor's office requires us to do. First of all, they have determined that a 5% reserve, meaning 5% of your general fund unrestricted expenditures, that that is the amount of reserve that should be a minimum for uh, all community college operations. And we maintain, in fact, exceed that 5% reserve and have for a number of years. Um, but what that 5% reserve or rainy day fund allows us to do is when there is a shift 
in available resources. And we know because uh, the lion's share of our expenditures are salaries and benefits, which are difficult to uh, reduce quickly, that we're able to utilize some of that reserve. Our board of trustees can approve utilization of some of that reserve in order that our resources match our forecasted expenditures in a budget. Um, the uh, on an annual basis, we are required to submit our budget, the budget that gets final approval and adoption by our board of trustees in September. We're required to submit that information to the state chancellor's office, and they look to ensure that our sources of funds equal our uses of funds or our resources match our expenditures in our budget, and also that we are maintaining that minimum 5% reserve. I know we have a, a, a larger reserve this year for um, 15, 16, 16, 17 in, in terms of planning, and um, maybe reflect on that a little bit. Where are we? Certainly. So we are well above the 5% reserve range. We are looking at our audit isn't final yet, so we don't have the final numbers will be finalized and presented to the audit committee of the board uh, on November 10th. But we came into this year uh, predicting or forecasting that we would end the year with a 6% reserve. Our reserve is well in excess of that. In fact, it will be closer to the uh, 10, uh, 9 to 10% range. The Budget Committee had set a goal for uh, uh, 15 16 of achieving a 9% reserve, and we certainly met that goal with the actual operations in 1516. Budget Committee has established um, working toward a 10% reserve in 1617. That's good, and that's because of your expertise, right, coming on board, <laughs> that we're able to accomplish those. I, I, I do think that the this idea of, of reserves and every college having reserves at least at the 5% level. Hmm. Because we're a smaller college and we don't have a huge budget in comparison to some of the multi-college districts, right. you know, which are – you came from San Diego, which San had Diego, a, yes. What was their overall budget? Do you even know uh, Overall budget, if you include the bonds, they were in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, in, in terms of what we're doing here – your fiduciary responsibility and and mine and certainly the board's is to ensure that the a we have a sustainable organization the college continues to operate mm -hmm. and and in that that really underlays two pieces one you need faculty who who present that product if you will mm -hmm. to to the students to ensure that they can actually receive what they signed up for the degree Right. So the continuity of the college and student success is paramount to yes. all the decisions that we make. And and maybe that's you know so simple for you know for us to think about. But uh, but how does student the fluctuation maybe in student enrollment affect our budgeting or our even our budget planning? Well, so the the we always look at and all community colleges look at the mix of students, you know, full time versus part time, but also credit versus non credit students, and um, when the state looks at 
the uh, their estimate of the amount that it will cost from a general fund unrestricted perspective to operate a college. They are looking at the number of students that the college is serving in those categories. So uh, credit students, students who are pursuing a degree or a certificate in one of our credit programs, non-credit students, and then what the state refers to as career development and college preparation. Those are non-credit courses, but those are courses that are designed to assist somebody in um, either achieving a certificate that will help them get a better job or preparing them, giving them the skills that they need to uh, move forward and move into uh, credit courses. Um, And so there are uh, different levels of funding for uh, credit and CDCP, they're the same level of funding, and then a different level of funding for non-credit. And so we do look at that mix of courses and you know, with, with the idea of um, n- making sure that we are meeting the needs of our community through the courses that we offer and the classes that we provide. And you and I both know that Napa Valley College is number one in the state, right? <laughs> yes, and we, we, and we celebrated that a little bit. And it doesn't come lightly either. I think that that award really comes with our ability to meet year on year the student demands and needs, make sure that they persist in their studies, they have high graduation rates, mm-hmm. they're doing well. So in terms of the, the proof, if you will, you know, is in the tasting, they say sometimes, you know, part of it is – our, and I'm recapping a little bit here on what you said. Part of it is our ability to, as an institution, make sure that our students get what they need. We run enough sections, yes. which costs money, mm-hmm. um, hire enough faculty, which also costs money and expenses, but, and make sure that we do that in a proactive way while giving it our best forecasted guess mm-hmm. of what the next year's budget will be. Yes. Okay, yes. thank you. And I, and, I, and I think I get that, but... Um, any other comment on just generally that that piece? No, only mm-hmm. to say that we are one of the goals that we've set for ourselves this year is to do longer range planning. And so looking at uh, the next three years out um, and that we will continue to – and the budget committee will, will uh, work with us to continue – to create that rolling three-year plan so that we will always have uh, three years of uh, forecasts, if you will, established. Um, And, you know, it kind of matches up. I've I've been at the college since 2012. And when I arrived, the state was in dire Mm -hmm. um, situation. And so we created a a um, a plan, if you will, a kind of a way forward that we mm-hmm. that we talked about two years of just regaining our footing, you know, through fourteen, two years of stability which we are in now, yes. and then two years to what past viability but to vitality. Yes, and and I think from what I see um, presently, we're we're on that path, and I'm I'm feeling really good about that. But just maybe a wrap up. Um, just quick answers the the college's um, financial condition good bad fair where are we right now we are in good fine we we are certainly in a good financial position right now and good financial condition we ended 15 16 with a healthy surplus we um, have a uh, budget uh, that was adopted for 1617 where where current revenues equal current expenditures um, we are predicting adding to our reserves um, in 1617 we are taking that forward look 
um, to ensure that we are uh, accounting for, looking for um, what the future might hold for us as much as we can uh, at, at one particular point in time, look out three years, but, uh, but are, are doing that. And so, yes, I would say that we're, that's a long answer to say that we are, are in a good financial position right now. Well, a long answer is good. Well, you're <laughs> a scholar and a gentleman, and I thank you for our time. And hopefully people can understand at least a bit of um, the kind of clarified but you know, sometimes um, very difficult you know, s- um, you know, pressures that you have as a CBO to try to make it all work. So well, thanks again. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.